So welcome to Conservation Conversations. I'm Sean O'Brien, the president of NatureServe. And as usual, I'm excited, but um, I think once you start hearing from Rachel today, you're gonna be excited too, because Rachel is full of energy and uh, this won't be your only opportunity to hear from her because she is all over the internet and the social media outlets and uh, is somewhat of um, what people refer to as an influencer. And we may actually talk about what it means to be an influencer on the show today, because that's not a normal thing for NatureServe. Um, we would like to be influencers, and we think that we work with influencers when it comes to conservation decision-making, but Rachel is a different kind of influencer. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So, you know, some time ago, I can't remember exactly when you showed up in my uh, Instagram feed because I, you know, people talk about Instagram feeds being toxic, but my Instagram feed is full of like the nature educator and pictures of birds, <laughs> you know, people looking at amazing landscapes. And so I find nature uh, Instagram to be actually quite relaxing. And so you showed up uh, some time ago. And so I've been following you on Instagram and I want to find out a little bit like, how did you sort of become an internet influencer? And what's your background? I know you have a background in um, biology and things, but I want to want to hear a little bit about your path to, to where you got to. Yeah, for sure. So I have always been a nature nerd since I was a little kid. I we am, love nerds. Yes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I am. I, I love being a nerd. I love nature. I'm proud of it. Um, but yeah, ever since I was young, I was so curious about the natural world. Um, I grew up on Vancouver Island and my parents were sailors and very outdoorsy. So I spent a lot of time on the ocean and exploring the Gulf Islands. Um, so lots of time just with nature and really looking around me and observing all the different things. So I've definitely had a passion for nature and the natural world since as long as I can remember. Um, but then going into my adulthood, yeah, I studied geography and environmental studies in university and worked as a naturalist. So doing nature guiding and um, school programs, special events of every kind of nature topic under the sun from forest ecosystems to ocean ecosystems and wetlands, different species, species at risk, introduced species, all the topics under the sun. Um, so I kind of have done that for about maybe like over 10 years now. And then alongside that, and maybe some people listening can relate, but finding consistent work in the environmental field can be challenging sometimes. It's a lot of contract work, seasonal work, and sometimes it's not paid super well, especially when you're getting started. Mm -hmm. So I ended up kind of going down a bit of a marketing and communications um, avenue with my career as well at the same time. So I kind of had two parallel careers developing. And so I started working in marketing and kind of like digital marketing, social media, things like that. And so with my nature nerdiness and my social media, digital marketing brains, it kind of mushed together um, to create the nature educator, which is my social media handle where I create educational content about nature um, for people to watch and enjoy for free. And this all started, the Nature Educator started during COVID. So 
in 2020, when everything shut down, where I live, even some of the parks shut down, Yes, which is really, that's a whole other thing to talk about, but very, very interesting. Um, and so a lot of my work really slowed down and I'm a very creative person, very energetic person, very curious and nerdy. So I was like, what can I do with all my interests and skills to keep myself busy in this very different time that we all experienced. So I started creating video content on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the yeah, Facebook, all the kind of platforms. And I was doing it from more like I started off doing it for myself just for something to do, but people really loved it. And they just, I was getting tons of positive feedback and the videos started doing really, really well. And I was sitting around 3000 followers on Instagram until March, 2023. So this year, okay, I had a few videos just go off. They went viral and it put me at a hundred thousand followers. So what's the, what was the first one and what was it about that video? The first one I had, I think it was, um, Western Trillium. I did a video on Western Trillium and I was talking about how the leaves or what you think are the leaves are actually bracts, which mm -hmm. are a modified leaf. And it just blew people's minds that, you know, that a lot of people didn't know what a bract was. And it's, is it still technically a leaf because it's a modified leaf? So there's all these discussions happening in the comments, um, which I always love seeing because people just kind of have conversations in the comment section and I get to kind of jump in and talk to people, but it, it created a lot of interest and spur and um, Western trilliums are, they're a very beloved plant so trilliums a lot of in general people love the trillium yeah yeah exactly so i think there was a few things but a lot of it was a lot of it, there was a lot of interest in this plant and then just how i kind of started off the video with a bit of a hook being like these aren't leaves people are like what how is that not a leaf <laughs> so then they want to watch and they want to share with other people so i think that video it was kind of a perfect combination of a, a few different things and it just went viral. I think it has 1.5 million views. I remember that one, by the way. So. Oh, great. That's wonderful. Maybe that was the one that popped off on your, your feed, your algorithm. It might be. <laughs> and hooked you in. But yeah, so and then during that time, I was getting a lot of interest in my page, getting lots of new followers, lots of comments and likes, shares, things like that. So every video I was posting was kind of building off of that. It was kind of getting more engagement than maybe it would have, wouldn't, sorry, than maybe it would have otherwise if it was just a regular video I had posted. So there is a few videos that just, just went off. And so that really got me to where I am today, which is great. And I'm still, yeah, doing making videos and so you were you were talking about um the challenges of like making a living as a yeah. naturalist and probably doing different itinerant field projects and things like that um and you mentioned earlier that people get to watch these videos for free um mm. but uh if this is your sort of career and i know that to make those kinds of videos and to make enough of them and to customize them for different platforms is not an insignificant activity. Um, 
not that everybody can do it, but how does one make a living doing what you do? Yeah, that's a good question. And this is something that, you know, as in the social media world, there's always something new to try and different things to do. So I'm always learning. Um, but a lot of, yeah, content creators or influencers, they work with certain brands to kind of sponsor them. And that helps, you know, make money so you can make this content, whether it's promoting a specific product or like, for example, for an environmental influencer, such as myself, which is still bizarre to say the word influencer to me, because I come <laughs> from that kind of nature background. I'm like, influencer. Um, but working with companies that maybe they provide outdoor gear or different cameras to capture the content mm -hmm. that I'm I'm using for my account, um, maybe different hiking shoes, things like that. Um, I recently did a partnership with an app, a free app called Birda, which is a bird watching app yeah. and it helps you identify species and it's kind of gamified. So it makes it a little fun. There's challenges, things like that. So I, I made some videos in partnership with them, um, to promote their product, but it's also something that I really enjoy and use anyways. So I always make sure I'm partnering with companies where our values align and so yeah, in, but in, in the true confessions category, I now have that app on my phone. Oh, I learned about it from you. I didn't know about it before. I have 15 different birding apps on my phone, this Sibley and birds near me and Merlin and all these things, but I did not have that one before. So I have been playing with it a little bit recently. So good job. Um, oh, that's great. Evidently that whole influencing thing is working. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's important about this influencing is the message that you're trying to get out, right? It's yeah. it's sort of like academically interesting to figure out like how did somebody become an influencer and like the process and all of that. But what really matters is we have this crisis facing the world, right? Species are going extinct faster than they ever have. The environment is incredibly challenged. And we need for people to understand that and engage with that. And so as much as you want to be an influencer, really, you have another purpose. Yes, for sure. And that's why I started the whole account, too. Well, as I said before, I was, you know, I had all this energy and time and creativity and nerdiness. I needed to get out of my system. But my main purpose of this account is to provide free educational content for people while they're, because people are on their phones already, they're on Instagram, they're scrolling. So my goal is to try to stop people in their scroll and get them to connect with nature through their device, which seems very impossible because, you know, it's not like you're physically in nature, but it's still a tool. Like social media is a tool where we can connect people. And you just never know when, if someone's just sitting on their couch, they're scrolling, and they see a video about a fern and they're like, hey, like, I love ferns. Like, I want to learn about this fern. They watch the video. The next time they go out for a walk or maybe the video will inspire them to go outside and look at the ferns, um, they'll they'll have hopefully they'll have more of a connection to the world around them. And that is my that's my biggest goal with my account is to get people to just connect more to the plants, the animals, the ecosystems around them. and in turn, like from that, 
they will build more pro-environmental behaviors. They will care more about nature. They'll want to protect lands from development and all these things. So I'm trying to capture people on the internet and get them to care and love nature as much as I do. So that will in turn benefit the environment. Right. So that benefiting the environment part is the, uh, the thing that's interesting to me. Um, but you were talking about inspiring people. Do you have a favorite story from, uh, from a fan or from a follower who said, you know, because you did this, I went to and did something. I get a lot of, um, messages like direct messages in my inbox and comments on my videos. And I'm, I'm just always blown away by how much people actually watch my videos and take things away from them. And then they, they report back and they're like, Oh my gosh. Like for an example that I've just thought of is, um, chitons. So I made a chiton video. I think it was in the summer, like this past summer. And it blew people's minds that this creature even existed. And they're so, a lot of them are super well camouflaged in the intertidal zone. And it just, it blew people's minds that these animals exist and they're all around the world. And since I posted that video, I still get messages being like, I saw a chitin today. Like I'd never <laughs> seen a chitin before. It's so cool. Like you've opened my mind up to this animal I didn't even know existed. Um, but one of the, the coolest things, like maybe not a specific example, but more broad is a lot of my videos are very specific to a certain plant or animal. And it just, it opens people's minds up to noticing the biodiversity that exists because people will go for a walk and they'll just see plants. Like maybe you've heard of plant blindness before that term yeah. where it's all just green. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're all plants, they're all bushes. But when you actually look at individual species, you start to realize the immense biodiversity that exists and and therefore that is being threatened in this world, in this current you know time that we're in. So that is always really neat for me to hear because people are watching these little videos and they're like, wow, I didn't know that existed. And now I see it outside when I go for a walk. And yeah. so it's planting those little seeds and in people's minds and then you just never know like what exactly they're going to take away from it but it's always really nice to hear back from people what they what they yeah. saw what they experienced and hearing their stories as well it's it's really neat and those little stories are really interesting i went for a walk um in the summer with a friend we were going to try and see the meteors but the it was too cloudy mm. and so we ended up um walking back and in the flashlight caught a glimpse of color on a plant and so we stopped and we spent about 15 minutes looking at a couple of plants on the side of the trail and ended up seeing you know three species of grasshoppers and several species of spiders and then there was like a bee that was like accidentally hanging out overnight and in this little tiny area you know no bigger than like a gallon container there ended up being like 10 or 15 species of things that we were able to photograph and identify with iNaturalists. And it was sort of this amazing natural history moment. And it was really beautiful to see. And it'd be so easy to just walk right past. 100%. Yeah. And that's one of the things I always encourage people to just stop and notice. And the art of noticing is incredible because yeah as you said if you're walking through on a trail or it's all just 
you know, you don't realize what you're actually walking past when you stop and look. It's like, wow, there's actually so much diversity in this really small area. And I noticed that a lot with tide pools too, because if you're walking along the beach and, you know, there's like some rocky intertidal environment where there's tide pools, it's so easy to just walk right past them. But when you stop and look, you start to just see more and more and more in there. And it's, it's so fun and it keeps your curiosity sharp. I always, I also tell people to always stay curious because you can never stop learning from nature. There's always something new to learn. We'll never all be experts. Like we'll never know it all. No one will ever know everything about nature because it's always changing. And yeah, so it's. And we're always discovering new things because we have the ability to look in more places. Um, Mm -hmm. So as much as the extinction crisis is really scary, we're also constantly discovering new species, not that they've newly evolved necessarily, but that they've been finally recognized um, by science as a new species. And that's also really exciting. Um, so you mentioned that you're, you sort of grew up always curious about nature um, and your parents took you outside and sailing and things like that. Was there a teacher or a moment that was part of your inspiration for following? Because a lot of people like, oh, yeah, I've always been interested in nature, but I studied engineering because I wanted to get a job. Right? You sort of followed your dream. Was yes. There, was there an inspirational person in there? There were, Yes, there were a few inspirational people. When I started my naturalist journey, I, I kind of started off doing volunteering with local nonprofits, doing kind of that interpretation, like in the classroom, you bring a bunch of stuff into a classroom and the kids look at it and you kind of guide their experience. Um, but my first like real naturalist job <clears throat> was with um, the local government where I live. And I learned, like it was like zero to a hundred. Like I learned so much about being a naturalist, how to create programs that are interesting, that are gonna be enjoyable for people instead of just rambling on about whatever you see. Like it's very well-planned, well-thought-out. It's thematic. You know, there's all those little things in there to really get people to be excited and connect to what you're talking about. And also my learning of the, the natural world, like plant identification and learning about different species and things like that, it skyrocketed. And um, my coworkers at the time were hugely supportive and um, definitely inspired me to just learn and stay curious. And I find too, when you're surrounded by different naturalists because naturalists all have a different style like maybe you've attended um a parks interpretive talk and they'll be they'll be in costumes there'll be a guitar and a ukulele or something and they're singing about bears or whatever and then you might see someone else and they use humor and they're really funny but they have no props at all and then some people use a lot of photos and videos and things like that so there's so many different ways that you can be a naturalist and educate people in your style and creativity and just being exposed to so many different people and their approaches it just makes your mind open up to the many ways that people enjoy learning and connect to environmental education so yeah. I have a word in mind for your style, 
No, but I'm curious what, like, what's your one word for what represents your naturalist style? One word for my natural style. I think what comes to mind for me is energy, maybe energy or excitement. One of those two I would pick um, because I am, that's, and that's some of the feedback I get quite a bit on my, with my videos is I'm always just so excited, even if it's the tiniest little barnacle or, <laughs> you know, something that seems so not interesting or not cute, right? Yeah. Like it's not charismatic megafauna. It's like this ugly insect or something. And I'm like, look at it. It's so cool. So I try to get people to match my energy and excitement by being you know, thrilled to see anything. Like, even if it's a horrible day or horrible, meaning like, you know, uh, not ideal weather for people that want to go outside. Like it's windy. Which it's seems windy. to be a common theme for you. Yes. <laughs> You're often I, in the rain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I do live in the Pacific Northwest in the temperate rainforest. So it does yeah. rain quite a bit. And if I waited for beautiful days, I would never be making videos. So, but I love going outside in all, all weather. So it works, it works out great. I just have to try to keep my, my camera dry. Yeah. Um, but so one my, of my videos that did really well was um, small flowered blue eyed Mary. So those teeny tiny little wildflowers and it was pouring rain. Like the audio was terrible because all you could hear was raindrops on my hood and um, but that video, I don't even, I don't remember how much it got, but it was, I think it's probably around 300,000 views and so many comments. And a lot of the feedback was like, it's so great that you're going out in the pouring rain and inspiring people to, you know, you can still go outside when it rains, just right. put on your ear and, and appreciate what's happening outside. We need the rain. The rain's great, you know? So yeah. <laughs> so my word for you would be awe as in your constantly awestruck by what you're seeing and that's translates into that energy and enthusiasm that you're talking about yeah well i appreciate that thank you oh i like that yeah, yeah. i'm always in awe yes exactly exactly and that's one of the things that's so engaging about the videos it's like oh what's rachel excited about today um <laughs> I so love that. the challenge in doing what you're doing is sort of staying fresh and the awe keeps you fresh on one level, but because you were saying there's so much to always learn in social media, there's a whole other set of learning curves. And it's important because of what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to get people engaged with nature and to care about the world and the planet. Um, so I'm just sort of thinking about like, how do you do you, how do you stay fresh? I mean, do you actually like have to spend time reading articles about how to be the newest kind of influencer, which sounds like torture to, to read those <laughs> kinds of articles. Yeah, I think it's a, the, I, well, the algorithms change daily. From what I've heard, they change daily. So they're constantly changing. But one thing that stays consistent is your brand. So my brand is basically what we just talked about. It's being super excited um, about all the things that I encounter. And that's what people, that's how people know me. So if I keep that consistent, the people who are already following me and are enjoying my content, they're going to be happy because I'm making the same kind of content. And it's interesting because if I make something a little bit different, someone always is like, what? Like I was just in Mexico 
um, for a friend's wedding. And while I was there, I was like, look at all this amazing nature. I'm going to share some of this. And I got a few comments being like, that's not the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and I was like, you're, you're off right. brand. <laughs> you are right. I am a little off brand here. Um, Cause you know, most of my content, I just do where I live. So, um, so staying on brand and yeah, kind of going well with people are expecting of you is, is, is helpful, but, but yeah, there's always ways that you can in- increase your reach, reach new people. And that's always a goal for me because I want more and more people to connect to nature and have those create those pro-environmental behaviors and care more about nature. So with that, it takes a good amount of just staying current. I don't read articles. Um, thank goodness, like what you were saying, that would sound so boring, but I do, you have to spend a good amount of time on the apps and looking at what other people are doing what other people like what's working for other people and there's all these different trends so like videos where a certain style will be really popular so people get mm. to know that style and they look for videos similar to that and i usually don't do those but i i could like i could try doing stuff like that to increase my reach to new people but yeah it's always changing you just try to i try to keep it interesting and yeah, but still stay on brand. So it's kind of a balance, yeah. but always learning. <laughs> there's always changes. You just have to try to keep up the best you can. <laughs> and in your neck of the woods, there's a lot of different biodiversity to feature. I mean, you could do marine and intertidal and aquatic. Um, yeah. I actually went to Vancouver Island um, last summer and went snorkeling in the Chan River um, looking for rare species and got to see uh, pearly shell mussels and crayfish and things like that. It was really cool. Oh, that's amazing. I actually have never snorkeled in the Cowichan River or the lake there, but it's on my bucket list for sure. You should yeah, do it. Yeah, I should for sure. Um, but it's definitely, yeah, it's an incredibly biodiverse place. And with the different seasons too, there's like migratory birds and just lots of changes that happen throughout the year. One thing that's unique to my account is I never do the green screen type videos. Like all my videos are, it's things I have personally encountered and I, that's my style and that's what I like to do. So people will request like, can you make a video on a cougar? And I'm like, if I see a cougar and I'm not and I have my camera on my on health first, yeah. if it's a safe space to make a video, then I will, but I get, I get lots of requests and I'm like, I'd love to make a video on that. If I ever see that animal or plant, I will definitely do that. But that's part of my, my style is I, I record everything in person and I record it myself. I don't do the, yeah, a lot of other creators, they'll use just they'll green screen themselves with a video of a jellyfish or something behind them. And it could be anywhere in the world and they'll share some fun facts and information about that species but yeah my style is in person i try to keep it as candid and authentic as possible so i like that like we're saying with the with the flowers and the rain the the fact that you're out there in the weather and in the elements and maybe there's mosquitoes around and you're trying to talk about something else um makes it very authentic Mm -hmm. and i think engaging with the public uh so 
One of the things I'm always curious about with people who are engaged in this kind of work and are clearly passionate about the world and about the environment is you want to have an impact on people. You want to leave essentially a legacy from your work as the nature educator on all of the different social media handles um, or social media apps. Um, what What is your, like, do you have a thought about like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish with my, it, we've talked a little bit about that, but like, I'm thinking in like in a bigger picture, like when you look back in 10 years kind of thing. Yeah, I think when people think about Rachel, the nature educator, I think I would want them to think about how I was able, I'm talking like as if I was dead, but <laughs> when I think of a legacy, I'm always, I always think like, oh, that person has passed. What are they remembered by? Um, but yeah, I'd want to be remembered as someone who was just so passionate about trying to get everyone to connect to the natural world in a time where we could be, like we are, some people are extremely disconnected from the natural world in a time where we need to be connected in order to save the earth and ourselves, our species right. <laughs> um, living in this world that's changing so, so rapidly. Um, and just kind of being one of those, one of those conservationists, those environmentalists that are just really trying to do their part in this bigger picture. Um, and as that kind of educator, that's mm -hmm. trying to make learning fun and nature fun. So. And do you have any like special projects coming up or places, someplace you're going to go where you're going to like maybe do some research in advance about things you might see so that you can tell some new stories or you're going to be focused in the Pacific Northwest again for a while? Um, I think for the next little while, I will be mostly in the Pacific Northwest, but I do have a possible trip coming up in uh, the new year to Botswana. Oh. which would be very cool um still seeing if the details are all gonna sort out with that but that would be really interesting I'm hoping to do more and more kind of more international type content and I get that request quite a bit from people who are following me because I, I have followers from all around the world and they're like can you come to Australia and make us some videos I'm like I would love to but I'm slowly building up to things like that. So I hope that I'll have more kind of international opportunities to share species from all around the world. Um, but my my base will always be the Pacific Northwest. I'm just, yeah, I'm, it's my home. I love it here. So I, there'll be lots of that kind of content continuing as well. So, <laughs> so do you talk about much about... Um people eating from nature in your work that yes so that is a an interesting topic and I'm glad you brought that up so I come from kind of a parks conservation background so I was always kind of mentored and told to not harvest from nature because in parks and protected areas that is for nature right, right? so when you think about all the development and land use change that has happened all around the world. There's so much natural habitat that has been destroyed or completely removed that is now unavailable for so many species. So that's kind of the mindset that I've 
been mentored in for a long time. So harvesting from nature is something that I'm, I'm always like, I'm still building that relationship with myself. There are some things that I like if berries, for example, like I'll, I'll eat wild berries. Um, and there's, there's a few other things that are abundant and I'm like, okay, my time, my five berries are not gonna, you know, make a whole bird species go extinct. So it's okay. But, um, there's, yeah, so there's that kind of part of it where personally, I'm still kind of developing that connection. And then there's also the side of, as someone who is providing content on the internet, people are from all around the world who are watching my videos. So if I provide an edit, like how to identify and eat this species, I don't know what species are in this, a tiny town in you know, on the other side of the world, like maybe they have a lookalike and it's poisonous. So I always have a bit of hesitancy to post that type of content because I'm worried that with misidentification, it could end up with someone getting sick. And when I have mentioned, I've done a couple videos where I talk about harvesting and edible, edible, it's usually berries. Mm -hmm. Um, I am always like, do your research, make sure you identify this correctly, like go with people who are knowledgeable, bring your field guides. And I talk about the region that it's in. So I try to make it as crystal clear as possible, but you just never know if people are going to read that. You don't know how much of the video people are going to watch. So I have a, there's a few things where I'm like, I I love to, to share those things, especially in person. In person is way different. Because you have a, a group physically with you in a specific location. You can look at it together. You can compare between other species. Um, but on the internet, I kind of, I keep a little bit of a arm's length <laughs> from it. But I have done it a couple of times. Um, but and that, with all that being said, connecting to nature, I love encouraging people to use their senses to engage with the natural world. So, you know, like closing your eyes and listening to the sounds and plugging your ears and looking around with your eyes, like trying to really focus on different senses as a way to connect with nature. And taste is one of those. And a lot of people love foraging and love to, like, it's so interesting because we're so disconnected from the natural world in that way. Most of us get our groceries or our food at the grocery store, right? We don't just go out and pick all, you know, it's it's just the world we're in now. We go to the grocery store usually Um, So it's a really interesting way for people to connect to nature. And for some people, it's one of the big reasons they go out into nature is to forage. So I also celebrate those people as well, because it is, it's a really impactful way to connect with the natural world. Um, And of course, indigenous people have been connected to the natural world since time immemorial. And so with my perspective of parks, I'm also extremely respectful of those practices and that continuing to this day because that's extremely important and a part of their culture. So, so it's kind of a big question for me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a and big answer as well, but. Well, it's yeah. a good and thoughtful answer. Cause I do know of stories where people learned what was edible in one place, specifically mushrooms mm-hmm. went somewhere else. And there was a lookalike that was not edible and uh, they ended yeah. up in the hospital. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. Especially things like mushrooms. I think that's particularly risky um, in terms of making mistakes. Uh, Berries, probably a little bit less so, but you never know. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, you never know. It's very true. Yeah. 
Well, Rachel, what other things do you want to get out there into the world? So you have, you know, when you're doing your videos on TikTok and Instagram and things, you really have sort of a window of a couple of minutes and then people are gone. Um, in this setting, um, you have a little bit more of an open soapbox. So if there's some message that you'd like to have out there that doesn't feel like it fits in with like sitting in front of a little trillium, <laughs> want to see if you have like something you want to say sort of to the world about Rachel, a nature educator and, and what people should be thinking about in the world these days. Yeah, I think one of my biggest things that I try to encourage people more in person than on the internet. And I, I did kind of briefly mention this earlier, but it's just stay curious, like just stay curious all the time. Um, we will never know everything. Even an expert in a very specific field, they know a lot, but they, I mean, they're if they're researching, they don't know everything yet. So, and with things always changing, there's always something new to learn. So I just, I always encourage people to just stay curious. And there's some topics that can seem extremely inaccessible for people because of the academia side of thing and just, you know, just stay curious, keep learning. Don't feel like you're never going to know what mushroom to pick or whatever it is, you know, like just keep learning, reach out to people in your community. There's so many different naturalist groups and, you know, different communities that you can become a part of and you can just never stop. You'll never know everything. Just keep yeah. learning all the time. And with that, I encourage people to also, because sometimes there can be judgment in with knowledge you know like you're like people think i know everything i do not know everything i know like the it's like the iceberg you know like there's yes. so much more to learn i don't know everything even though it may seem that way so it's okay to ask questions it's okay to not know the answers to things it's just an opportunity for us to come together and just keep learning so awesome yeah that's great well rachel it's been very refreshing chatting with you today. And uh, I'm so glad that you're on our side and educating people across the world in this new format, because, you know, we have these old, you know, nature programs and we talk about Attenborough and other people who've done amazing things for the world in terms of educating people, but those are not as, not as viewed as potentially things that you're doing now. And so I want to thank you for uh, being out there and trying to spread the word. Well, thank you. I appreciate all those kind words. And I'm just so happy that you invited me here today and I got to talk with you um, and all your listeners or viewers as well. So thank you for tuning in and for having me. Thanks a lot, Rachel. And uh, thanks everyone for listening and watching. This is uh, Conservation Conversations. And I'm Sean O'Brien, the president and CEO of NatureServe. And I've been talking with Rachel Tancock, who's the nature educator on all of the social media platforms that you could ever want to find. Um, and we're approaching the end of the calendar year. So it's the holiday season. So we want to wish everybody a happy holiday season and remind people that often the end of the year is a time that people think about supporting nonprofit organizations that they know and love. And you're listening, so you know and love NatureServe and you love us more now that we've spent an hour with Rachel. And um, 
So please, uh, if you're so inclined, go to natureserve.org and make a donation to support the important work we do trying to reduce the impacts of the sixth extinction and extinction in general. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next month.